Welcome to Twin Speaks is intended for mature audiences. Also, content warning, we will be discussing topics such as domestic abuse and violence. If you're okay watching Twin Peaks, you'll be okay listening to us. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. What if David Lynch wrote an episode of Seinfeld? For the answer to that question, listen to The Other Side of Darkness, an eight-part story by Sign Peaks that follows Jerry, George, Elaine, and Kramer on a dark and mysterious journey inspired by the mind of David Lynch. The Other Side of Darkness is currently in production with a cast of over 30 voice actors. Before the story premieres this fall, tune in now to hear exclusive interviews with guest stars and behind-the-scenes artists from Seinfeld. Listen to The Other Side of Darkness today on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, and welcome to Twin Speaks. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. Hey, hey. <laughs> Wait, are we going right into the episode? Yeah. I'm yeah. not. <laughs> you... Oh, 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 oh. No, we'll just say hey for uh, the next hour, and everyone will be like, wow, what a great episode. <laughs> What a fantastic... This is the pinnacle of <laughs> podcasting. That would be... I mean, that would be very Lynchian of us just to... Just an hour and a half of just And haze. like silence in between? I feel like that oh, would yeah. be... Silence, some some like ethereal mm-hmm. whirring. Mm-hmm. You know? That'd be very, very <laughs> David Lynch. Yeah, so we had quite the break. I feel like at first I was going to get back into this episode and be like, what's happening? And luckily, right when I got into it, didn't forget a damn thing. So Yes. So so to our listeners, sorry for the uh, the interruption. So I, uh, Janine and I both had interesting weeks. Um, I had like back-to-back Delta COVID scares. Yeah, it was a double whammy. So I had, oh my goodness. So I had, I woke up one day. It was like a few days after my birthday. um, And I had went out. And then I woke up like a few days later with like a really bad headache. And like the sniffles and like a sore throat. And I was like, holy crap. I, I caught the Delta. It must be it. I went out. I got tested. I'm fine. And then my girlfriend recently also like went out and her friend apparently like, like the friend that she went out with when she, like the next day when she was home, got tested and it turned out she like, yeah, and they were all vaccinated. They were all safe. So, uh, so yeah, so my girlfriend was, um, exposed, but she got tested also negative. So. It's just been like two weeks That's of COVID scares and breakthroughs. Yeah, with the, and, like yeah. with the Delta variant, like it's just, it doesn't even matter if you're vaccinated. Like we, and even before that, but like this is just more intense that like mm-hmm. it's, it's spreading like wildfire. It's scary. Yeah. Mm. I mean, thankfully it does lower the risk of like hospitalizations yeah, and other nasty stuff. But, uh, um, but we are sadly, Jenny and I are once again, doing yeah. the pod remotely. so if you can't tell folks we are pro vaccine and <laughs> we're gonna tell you get vaccinated. 
vaccinated. I don't care if we lose yes. followers because if you're unvaccinated and you're listening, no. Like go like if you have the opportunity to get vaccinated and you yes. are listening to this and you are unvaccinated, uh, we're yeah, mad at you. Really, go get vaccinated. It's please. really scary out there, and it's needed. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Still give us a five star rating, but like <laughs> yeah, go get back. Five star rating on the way to the clinic. But so we're doing it remote. There will be no clinking of glasses, hopefully, for the final episode yeah. we can get Fingers together crossed. again. Busy on my um, end because um I do have but... little news. Little little big news. Um this lady got a job after a long long search like pandemic length search yeah and she's stoked she's amped she's pumped she's excited i'll say no more but yeah um uh, there's a relief in finding a job because like so many people are struggling right now including myself at a point and like now i just can't get over that i found something that pays but also i'm an artsy person I think it's been mentioned on the instagram page before but i get to get my hands all painty and artsy for my job so yeah it's really cool yeah that is so wonderful i'm so happy for Thanks, you <laughs> yeah it's good times um i know i know how much it's meant to you so like that's really exciting but yeah you knew obviously how much it was a the struggle was very very real but luckily it's a um the job is very real now so yeah feeling lucky Mm-hmm. Amazing. Speaking, Speaking of exciting, there's some exciting things yeah. happening in Twin Peaks, Janine. Coming to a we're we're reaching <laughs> we're reaching the peak of Twin Peaks. This is we're at the penultimate episode yeah. of season one. Oh my goodness, Janine, thoughts like what's going on in your brain? I'm. You excited? Are you nervous? I think it's like I have a combination of like I'm excited, but I'm also antsy because I want to because I know also we've been going over this whole season now for uh, quite a length. I like give us credit for the patience we've had and go and well, even though you've already seen it, but so the patience you have of waiting for me to find out. But yeah, I'm just like so pumped. I am like <laughs> I definitely this episode was good, um, but I very much can't wait like wait for like the season finale like this is finally something's gonna happen something's gonna happen and i still don't know i have no clue well janine i'm gonna let you in on a little secret every day once a day give yourself a present don't plan it don't wait for it just let it happen it could be a new shirt in a men's store a catnap in your office or Going step by step in this week's episode, season one, episode six, Realization Time. <sighs> Take it away, Janine. You got it. You got it, Mike. Um, yeah. So this left uh, this episode began where it left off in the previous episode, where we were obviously a little uncomfortable of where things were heading with Cooper and Audrey. Which Coop found Audrey in his bed, no less, and with cl- no clothes, no less. Um, so yeah, it was not looking good. And we had some yes, we did. On that. We definitely had some heated <laughs> opinions, um, rationally so. Um, but what do we know? At least one thing that was a bit of a relief is how Coop came in 
I mean, I, I, it's hard to describe as a relief. Basically, it wasn't like he gets a gold sticker because he still was extremely being inappropriate, but like he also is trying at the same time to at least he ha- he at least honors his job above all else and was able to acknowledge out loud this is wrong and okay, so I'll be your friend. But yeah, um, I did find it interesting how like we don't find out what their whole conversation is after he goes to get milkshake like milkshakes and fries or whatever to like go be her bestie and then she was gonna like spill all her secrets but not all of them and i don't trust when coop says i have no secrets (laughs) no i mean hell he's the one character that has premonitions no less or like has these dreams and i think it's just i found that interesting (laughs) um but yeah what kind of secrets do you think he has? Oh, great question. I think if he does have any secrets, it's pertaining to this Diane woman. I'm still like, of all things in the show, I still get extremely fascinated about the Diane character because like she doesn't technically exist outside of Coop's recordings towards this this woman. Um, so it's just yeah, I think if he has any, I think he has secrets that might lie, like may lie in New York from whatever previous case he had maybe um but yeah i'm just theory dropping off the top of my head so next scene we have is um (laughs) two adorable characters i mean more so the the lucy we all have grown to love um the tension between these two andy and lucy it's just I can't contain myself. Um, it's obviously a short scene, but yeah, they're still not doing good. But um, Lucy, most importantly in this scene, though, has a phone call. And my instinct was because it's like she has tension with Andy and all of a sudden she's talking to a doctor and it doesn't seem like it's related to anybody else in, you know, in the department or whatever. I'm like, uh oh, some somebody's prego. Like someone's maybe prego. I'm just, yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I felt bad seeing her face and her reaction and like just when Coop comes to interrupt with his whistle and then she's just like, I'm fine, looks down. (laughs) I feel so bad. Like she goes, I'm better than I was yesterday. (laughs) That's a really horrible imitation of her voice, but... I was no, I disagree completely. I was actually gonna say, Janine, that's a solid. Uh, all I want to do in life is to be able to imitate that voice, and I will practice years to master it. Purposely in my acting class, I'll take it up. I'll be like, "Hey, coach, how do I imitate this voice?" <laughs> she should, like, she honestly, I would totally listen to a podcast of or like a radio show host that ha- that is Lucy. Basically, I-, I would love that. Um, but yeah, so she's not doing too good. And Andy needs to flipping, I don't know, either step back or get his shit together when approaching her. Um, yeah. Okay. So Coop then goes, though, from Sad Lucy to uh, the next room with, uh, what's his name? Donna's dad and Truman and... Doc Hayward. Doc. Oh, yeah. I forget. They always call him Doc. Um, so, yeah. And what do we know? Our favorite character, um, at least my favorite character, I thought, when it made its appearance, Waldo. And, um, yeah, so they start covering the information about this uh, uh, particular bird. And one thing I am so excited about is that now we know Coop 
has something he doesn't like. And I mean, besides maybe, you know, criminals or something like that. But he does not like birds. He actually seems like he's terrified of birds. And it's, I don't get that because the, and you did mention, yeah, you know, the ducks, like a few episodes ago. It makes absolutely no sense. Like two episodes ago, he's like, ducks on a lake. And now he's like, uh, I don't like birds. It's like, yeah. come on. Come he's on, fishing. Coop. That's his secret. That's his secret. He's inconsistent about that, his opinions that's of his birds. Secret. Not about Diane, <laughs> but about his uh, particular uh, opinion and judgments towards birds is true. Yep, that's it. But yeah, so, but mainly in that scene, Hawk comes in with a file and there's a forensic report and Laura, Ronette, Polanski, um, and Leo, who has obviously been the most fishy, you know, most sus character in this whole show. Um, they visited Jacques' cabin and there was, there's this black and white photo of um, Waldo. And I love how Truman's like, that's our Waldo. <laughs> and Coop's just... Uh, no, Laura. Like, that's Laura. <laughs> Focus. <laughs> so we know Truman loves birds. We know Coop doesn't. So, um, yeah. And Coop then leaves a voice recorder that will um, basically detect when Waldo wants to speak up because he's a little shy. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm I, I'm a little bit nervous talking about the bird in this episode because we know and anyone that's watched the episode and we obviously have it's not gonna turn out good for the bird I'll just say that next scene we have Bobby and Bobby's walking towards Leo Johnson and Shelley's place and this I was tense very quickly i just thought okay this is that penal as you said penultimate episode this is some shit's just gonna happen where i'm like least expecting it and like yeah leo has a gun he's ready to shoot his ass and i'm just thinking oh my god bobby's bobby's just gonna die right here right now like they're just gonna lynch is gonna surprise me here um but what do you know he leo's apparently clumsy thank god and bobby gets into the house and sees a very emotional shelly and this part of me chuckled at this not that like not that Shelly was crying I mean I, I felt pretty like that scene was actually at first she started crying and I was like "Ooh, that's bad like cr uh acting crying at first but then like she turns her face and I was like no that's really good crying <laughs> like it transitioned it was, it was pretty real um but I chuckled because the way that scene played out when uh she was about to shoot Leo like they were in such close proximity I was just like oh like wow you really you really missed, like, or at least, I don't know. If this was some other person that was, you know, not, that was more decent or more, yeah, more of a good person than Leo, I would obviously be arguing not to have the person shot and not that, it, anyway. No one can claim to kill, have anyone killed. Basically, I just, like, chuckled because I was just like, damn it, a lot would be solved, though, if Leo just fell off a cliff <laughs> Stopped hurting people. I just think there needs to be some some stricter gun licensing yeah, in uh, that's Twin true. Peaks. Like, it seems like everyone just has yeah, a gun now. Very true. <laughs> um, yeah, so things got really sloppy, and clearly now, and rationally so, Shelly is scared for her life and like knows he's out there. That that was really creepy. It's like she knows he's just like standing outside, probably watching the place, and she's just alone. Um, but Bobby, being bold brave ish 
Bobby says she's going to watch her. Like, she's going to take care of... He's going to take care of everything. He's going to take care of Leo. He's going to take care of James, which confused the hell out of me. Because I know Bobby didn't like James, but why does he have to take care of James for Shelly's sake? That kind of confused me. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. Like, James doesn't really have any connection to Shelly. If anything, like, Bobby wants to take down James because of his relationship with Laura, which, if anything, Shelly should feel kind of funny about. Yeah, like, it's like Bobby's own beef that he's mixing up with her beef and their beef. (laughs) Too much beef. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Bobby, listen, it's amazing that Bobby cheats as much as he does because he's just not very good at keeping a consistent yeah, lie. Makes sense. Um but yeah, so that was just a bit funny. But uh little old Leo gets distracted basically by my favorite voice, Lucy, about that's why I think she should be a radio host because she's just over the radio being like mentioning about um Waldo, our favorite little bird. And that seems to distract him, which also leads to the Another reason why I freaking can't stand Leo, but we'll get to that. Next scene, we have James, Donna, and Maddie listen um, to Laura's tape that she apparently recorded for not-so-good Jacoby, in my opinion. Um, Good taste in eyewear, clothes, drinks, and cocktails, apparently, like in the background of this episode, is a little... (laughs) <laughs> umbrella drink which i very much that was like probably the only the red item i could find i can't find find actually a good mention i can't find red particular like shades of red lately in the past few episodes i tried looking in this episode and i didn't see much i just noticed um that M- maddie actually wears blue like always almost always wears blue um but yeah they they're listening to this recording um, of Laura giving a, a little too kinky of a thing for Jacoby and her own, you know, intimate thoughts. Um, but the most important part is that the cassette that seems to be from the day that she died is missing. Because, of course, it would be missing. Dun, dun, dun. So... <laughs> James, Donna, and Maddie are Charlie's Angels, our triple threat, you know, mini amateur, very, very amateur, I should say, detectives are. They're getting somewhere, <laughs> though. They're getting somewhere, actually, I think. And um, I think they're, yeah, shit's about to go down. Though, yeah, they are way in over their heads. I think this is where um, Cooper and Truman or someone from the police would maybe step in. Because... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it seems like there's like a pretty confident police force in Twin Peaks and it seems like this is like some important information. I get Donna's whole like, oh, but they don't love Laura like we did. Like, I get that. But at the same time, it's like you're a teenager. The only teenager that could get away with this shit is Nancy Drew, because we all know Nancy Drew is the one and only (laughs) detective that is a natural born mystery solver. I'll just say that. Hence why she's my inspiration. These days. Um, okay. Janine, I'm so glad you love Nancy Drew because that is such a good segue into this show. Like, like if Nancy Drew were in this show, I feel like half of Twin Peaks' problems would be solved. Oh, in 40 minutes. Days. Like, it would be one episode. <laughs> it really yeah. would. I mean, there'd be a few moments, like for anyone that played the PC games when they came out, like 
early 2000s, just a lot of moments of, it's locked, or uh, I can't go in there right now. And then she'll just ask like th the three <laughs> right questions she's supposed to ask, and then she'll be like, Ned, I can't talk right now. I'm about to catch the, <laughs> the thief. And then she would find them, and then the end of the story, and she writes to Ned, and she solves the case. Case closed. But unfortunately, she's not in Twin Peaks, so we have to deal with the David Lynch way. <laughs> Which is a lot more dream interpretation. <laughs> so one thing I was amused by in this episode, because it's a very serious episode, mainly throughout, but one particular, um, one particular cute moment or at least sassy fun moment is audrey selling perfume i think audrey at any job would be amusing because she's just gonna clearly not give a shit and but also speak her mind so um just gonna call out the woman's face who we did not see that she was basically trying to help her with her perfume and who didn't prefer forest scent which i don't know how you can not i love pine i love umber like i love all those kind of scents so screw this lady but who says to in yeah. her defense, in her defense, they live in Twin Peaks, where they're like that smell is just a constant anyway. So, nah, I get it. Nope, I get uh, it. I'm on the offense. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> thanks for shopping at Horn's department store. <laughs> I, know, I love that. Um, what was it? Uh, fruity, as in fruit. <laughs> Too much sass. Um, back on this show, <laughs> Audrey. So she's working at, yeah, the perfume counter. And, of course, we all know what's Audrey going to do when she's hanging around. She's going to go spy on people and smoke in a closet, no less. Which, can we just point out, she's smoking a cigarette in a closet. And this this office for Emery is not that big. Like, who? no one just smells like cigarettes just for a second? Like, she's that confident? Um, yeah, but... Emery, who I also had bad vibes about. At first, I was like, ooh, Audrey's, you know, blackmailing this guy on the spot to get a job. But then in two seconds, Emery's talking to this girl, Jenny, and we're seeing basically one of the middlemen related to One-Eyed Jax, who's maybe coercing. So, yeah, he's not in my good book. But, yeah, Audrey listens in and... Apparently, Emery has this weird way of giving an initiating these women with flipping little glass unicorns and says, hey, yeah, you want to do this job? You'll be a hostess. You'll be that. Or you'll be this wink talking out of context. Um, yeah, it's not looking too good. But then they leave Audrey really also. I think if anyone could be close to Nancy Drew, it's Audrey. But she's just like if Aud if Nancy Drew had like an evil twin basically or like a <laughs> like she's really good at it but she's like super manipulative but yeah i thought that that was a that was a little bit uh, of an interesting scene because apparently emery and jenny have no sense of smell so flash forward <laughs> to the next scene at the double r um diner my favorite place i hope i get to visit that location one day the one where you can visit that you went to it's so nice. Honestly, like, it, even just, like, the area around it, like, I, I sort of, like, reluctantly dragged my family there because, like, none of my family is, like, really into Twin Peaks at all. 
Um, so I kind of reluctantly dragged my family there, but they had a great time. Like nonetheless, like the restaurants good, See, nature around. They just it's really had to nice, trust so. you. I mean, I put my trust in you when enjoying this podcast plenty and watching the show, and I was like, ooh, but plenty of pine scents around. <laughs> I'm like, I would have loved it. No fruity, no fruit, <laughs> no fruit, no all fruit. pine, all forest, no fruity, all pine. <laughs> Thanks for shopping at Horns Department Store. Anyway, so from Horns Department Store, we go to the Double R. And Hank, one of my least favorite characters, talks to Shelly. And just another manipulative person is sussing out who's been around. And in a matter of like 30 seconds, he he plays that card of like, oh, who was around? What's his name? Pete or something? And... Silly Shelly. No, you mean Ed. That's a little, yeah, nerve-wracking. So now Hank is already, yeah, figuring out shit of what Norma's been up to. and um, But luckily he gets interrupted by Cooper and uh, Harry, who are properly sussing him out um, and can read him like a book. And, yeah, I... I think like how you put it in your notes, like anyone that says like, oh, I've changed. Like I've been through a lot. Like, yeah, like, you know, you're, just, uh, you're full, you're full of shit, Hank. You're full of shit. But I could tell just like you started this podcast with, oh, every, uh, every day, once a day, give yourself a present. And I have heard this before, having seen the show ever before. Um, it's like when I heard fire walk with me and, you know, some major quotes, but I've heard that line before and I did not know where it was referenced to. And what do you know? Of course, it's our heart on the sleeve coop. <laughs> I was so looking forward to getting to this line. It's one of my favorite lines in the entire series. And it is it is legitimately like one of those things that like I took away from the show and said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do that. Like, even if it's not like. Even if it's not like a transactional gift, like, you know, just just give yourself a gift, even if it's just like a pat on the back. Yeah, it's you know? a really, just... really good way of, like uh, to li- like live your life by like uh, it's it's heartwarming and yeah. it's honest. And um, yeah, so I'm going to take that with me now, having now watched Twin Peaks. So thanks, Mike, for that. I'm pretty sure, too, the time I've heard it before was probably from you like years before when I, you know hadn't even know, like talked to you about the show i wouldn't be surprised if it was you i've probably mentioned it I in think passing so, before maybe <laughs> but i swear i've heard it also i think from other people so nice to know that um something that like heartwarming from such a wonderfully weird and sometimes very very dark show as twin peaks has as you said those very light moments and that was a light one and of course i was craving coffee after that because every time coop goes for coffee or describes coffee absolutely but okay this is where evil twin nancy drew audrey (laughs) impressed me i when she took like the (laughs) unicorn i thought she was just taking it for keeps for for no reason and she pulls a fast one with this girl jenny and she just says all the right things and just like hank these manipulative characters give them 30 seconds and they get exactly what they want and she finds out the number to um for the for the black rose basically and jenny she made like a face like she was a little suspicious of audrey and then she's like okay 
Jenny just goes along with everything way she too does. easily. Like whenever he's like telling her, like you know, yeah, you know, you'll be uh, escorting rich gentlemen. It's like, well, as long as they're rich, it's like, Jenny, girl, we need to give you a few pointers, just a few. Uh. Like, take some pointers out of Audrey's book. She needs it. Hide in a closet, (laughs) smoke a cigarette. (laughs) Yups. As long as they're rich. Um, So, favorite show within a show. We return to Invitation to Love and... Invitation (laughs) to Love. And Chet shoots Montana, which I know Chet was in some deep shit with montana so in a way i was like go chet but i was like oh shit chet yeah just murdered somebody and of course the most intense character of the whole show nadine is the one watching while she's having a box of um bonbons bonbon bonds i don't know if you've ever seen i forgot the name of this guy he's like a really famous um british comedian from back in the day and he had like this hilarious sort of oh, i wish i could name it off the top of my head but all i remember is a commercialized or comedy thing and he just goes bon bon bons <laughs> so like when i hear bon bons i hear bon bon bons <laughs> anyway so nadine is having bon bon bons and ed is trying to be a supportive <laughs> husband because she doesn't get the patent on these drape runners it's funny because when they were talking i forgot that she's talking about drape runners until it gets mentioned toward the end of the scene and i was like oh yeah the reason why she's upset is because of drape runners not because of i mean it is also because the life she wanted to have her future with ed but um yeah now there are two ways to interpret ed's motivation Mm -hmm. here the first is the more like you know the more giving one which is like you know saying he's being a supporting husband and he's like saying to her that he cares about her and doesn't want her to give up on her dreams on the other hand like there could be sort of an ulterior motive where he's just saying this so that Nadine stays out of town more often so that he can go spend more time. Yeah. I, the last with his other woman. Oh, that's true. There's just everyone's so shit, man. Okay. No, um, nor what was it? I, I give him the benefit of the doubt, but I think maybe subconsciously he's trying to get her out. of I town. think it's 50, 50, just because now that you mentioned it, because the last conversation he had with Norma, it was more, I thought that it was more persuaded by Norma that they should not interact anymore, not by him. I didn't think he led that conversation. I think Norma did. So in a way, I think it would probably be actually 60-40 that he's just trying to, 60% trying to keep Nadine out of town, 40%, because he's also just going according to basically what Norma gave him on a plate and he's kind of just going with the flow there but yeah that's a good point but either way chet and nadine are in tough spots tough emotional spots poor chet (laughs) poor nadine poor chet then we go to pete and his fish and having a conversation with harry about uh his taxidermy and then josie josie with a I'm always going to acknowledge Josie's fashion aesthetic. Like, she, by far, has the best fashion sense in the whole show. Then also, 
Audrey and Donna at funerals, but that's just with funeral <laughs> environments so far that I was impressed. Josie, this coat, 11 out of 10. Just going to say that. Um, but besides fashion, Harry uh, approaches Josie. And this I'm so nervous about because the last time we saw Josie, we know how much she's like the she wins on the cahoots of cahoots levels like she's in all the cahoots. She got all she got the Guinness World, you know, record of cahoots in the show. Um, <laughs> but she seems to be honest, like because only she was caught by Hawk and she confesses that the reason why she was there was, you know, at the motel was because Catherine and Ben and she does believe Catherine and Ben are out to get her and the mill and take shit down. Um, and yeah, Harry obviously gets on the protective boyfriend uh, badge and wants to help her, of course. Um, but yeah. Size isn't everything, I guess. <laughs> oh, size isn't everything, I guess. Leave it to David Lynch to just sneak in yep. another dick joke. Just... Just slip that right Way in go, for David. the and also, I I wouldn't have been surprised if Pete just like had a glass of milk that he just like pulled up on the side <laughs> and just sat with his fish. <laughs> glass of milk, sandwich with extra mayonnaise, just looking I at his like fish. I do like how David Lynch's approach to like a dick joke is just like here is the dick joke, place it right here, and it's gonna be as big. <laughs> And in your face as possible. And there's no way without me like describing it without also having like the <laughs> innuendos. <laughs> anyway. Back to the show. Um, speaking of fashion, just from Josie to another character. Um, Cooper walking in with a tuxedo. Dressed to the nines. Oh, yes. The, what was it? The, um... Mm -hmm bookhouse boys or whatever they're called they're ocean 11 style all of a sudden now things got very oceans 11 in this moment with the tux oh, um yes. ed i okay ed didn't have a mustache before this right it's a yeah it's a um it's a fake he's wearing okay, like a fake i don't know mustache. why i had a moment i'm yeah, like yeah, wait yeah. whoa isn't that a wig and a mustache but then i'm like i don't look at ed's face enough to know <laughs> and i was like wait did he change something <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they, uh, Ed, Harry, and, um, Cooper now are, basically, they meet up, and Cooper shows off his job, his, bur his bureau, he gets a, a little ten grand to show off that they're gonna use to gamble, um, and then Harry and Cooper have an alone moment, and Cooper shows, once again, he's all about being there for his besties, whether inappropriate or not. And he, I like how he's like a fishy of um, Truman's wanting to help Josie. And then the one thing that he just needs to hear, it, it, like it made me realize how much he's very, him and Truman have built such a bond in this first season because all he needed to hear from Harry was, um, I love her and that's enough. And I want to be like, help her. And he goes, that's all that's all I need from you. Like, or that's all I need to hear. Okay. I got your back. Um, but yeah. And he agrees he's going to look into it, which that's makes me, yeah, I feel good on that part though. There's still this one other cahoots that Josie has. That still makes me fishy about it all. Um, 
But I think in the overall, though, I think it's just we could see in this episode, even with all, all the tangled webs of lies with all these characters, I think for Josie, she is really just trying to look out for herself and protect herself in the mill. And she's willing to do whatever that takes um, because she's dealing with really dangerous people. So, um, yeah, I think Josie's probably one of the more innocent characters at this point, I think. I don't know. It's still... I feel like it's all going to be laid on me in the last episode, but we're not there yet. Um, so... Oh, yeah. Okay. This guy, Neff. What a name. Neff. Comes in with Catherine at a late hour for a final signature for, um basically because he's an insurance agent and it's like an updated policy and Catherine annoyingly spots uh some suspicion and decides not to sign anything and wants to go over it with her attorney before signing off um because I think she's starting to yeah get put two and two together that with her second book ledger or whatever missing yeah shit's going down for her and she's like okay i'm not gonna sign anything this is where i need to <sighs> everyone's starting to find out things obviously we've known some things for some time which is interesting when you're an audience member and you know some of the lies and now when you start to witness some of the characters figure out some of the things it gets intense Catherine is just ralph from the simpsons and that meme <laughs> i'm in danger <laughs> I have not seen The Simpsons enough, but I know what character you're referring to. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, You've seen I've the seen meme. the meme. You've seen the meme. Um, but yeah. And then we have, so at the um, the station house, the <laughs> these these little, these boys who, this is like a moment when they do look like they're like kids playing with toys, but they're playing with actual detective like <laughs> bugs and disguises. Um, yeah, they, they're having their moment, and this was, like, the creepiest scene. Waldo, I don't want to talk about it because I'm still mourning Waldo, the shortest character. Uh, they should have had a memoriam at the end credits for him. Like, this was the shortest appearance. And right? I was like, we have our little, basically, Waldo. <sighs> Sarah Palmer screams for Waldo. R.I.P. Waldo. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, and the donuts, too. And yeah. we lose the donuts, too. Because you can't eat and those donuts. anymore. Yes, that chocolate frosted. Did not see what had it coming for it. It's, yeah. Done. What a mess. Done. Completely ruined. God damn it, Leo. Leo, indeed. I mean, I know that, like, it's funny there was a part of me that wanted to reject that leo did it i was like oh maybe it's somebody else because i don't know it'd be really david lynch to just like maybe throw a curveball that didn't make like you know how when um everyone was going to that motel and then you thought they're about to enter a different room and then it was a different set of characters when then they entered the room like i was like oh maybe it's just leo pointing his gun somewhere else in town and then somebody else killed waldo but i'm like no that's too far-fetched janine we yeah leo killed waldo and waldo's no longer with us and mike and i are pissed about it and there's no no there's no donuts we can have anymore so because unlike coop i like birds birds yeah. are good but the the creepiest part though about that right. scene though is when um they do uh listen to the recording and 
it's it, it was really creepy like i mean the idea of you know a, when a like with parrots and certain birds when they can actually imitate uh or mimic what humans are saying around them it is a really like usually you think it's comical because they'll be repeating like curse words or something like that of that nature and then but i never really process the thought of like a bird mimicking when a murder is happening like or something of that nature it's just yeah so that was very disturbing it's it really is. dark it's, it's really, really unsettling. dark um so the officers <laughs> go to one-eyed jacks and um cooper suggests because he knows everything that jock is you know somewhere in the back like dealing and um this woman was the woman that in the a few episodes ago when we saw initially saw one-eyed jacks when ben and jerry decided to take a visit and i like forgot who she was blackie um but that now we get like a really proper introduction of this character in this episode and yes. quite the confident woman and it makes sense who that she would be running a place like that um and okay there's dick jokes in this episode, and then Ed is clearly pulling out all the stops to just go all the way with Blackie, um, and has no problem looking under her hood. Whoa. Sweet Jesus, Ed. Take it Ooh. down a notch. Like, I get you have a stash on that's not yours, and you have a wig on that's not your. Like, he's, like, putting on a whole different character. Like, where did this confidence come from? I never heard him. Never heard him talk to Norma no. that way. Horny Dean, for yeah. that matter. I mean... Yikes! <laughs> but yeah, I didn't notice this before. Well, like the names that Cooper introduces themselves, like both of them as what is it, Cliff and something? It's the characters from the Flintstones. It's it's Barney oh, and Fred. Fred. Oh, okay. Like really counting on the fact that Blackie has never <laughs> once watched the Flintstones. No, one of the most popular cartoon <laughs> shows in not history. Flintstones, but she's read Scarlet Letter apparently. Yeah, I, yeah. Like what? What is with these terrible yeah. <laughs> aliases, guys? Like just come up with a random name. Don't pick characters from Wait. like popular like pop culture. Mike, if I had a, an alias name, what would my name be? That Nancy Drew. What do you know? Yes, it would. I mean, if we're going by this logic, I would love. I would like to point out though that Kyle MacLachlan does later go on to play the villain in the live-action Flintstones. Oh, he plays Cliff. That's where the name. Cliff that's where Andrew I'm getting Cade. the name Cliff. Which your alias name would be so, Kyle MacLachlan. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'd be Dale Cooper. Yeah, that's like, true. There's no question that's about it. Very true. Um. So, <laughs> speaking of hilarious names we got ben and jerry with um the icelandic group uh, of people and they're actually i didn't think this would actually happen when we're talking about ben and jerry the brothers being a thing on the show and they are actually at a point now eating ice cream how much closer can you get to it on like you can't even get on the nose anymore the nose is gone like it's, you've punched through the nose yeah i'm just like okay wow we're going they're eating they're eating ice cream together um but basically ben is getting quite hasty and very impatient now because the the Icelanders have not um, signed anything yet, and um, apparently Jerry's to blame because also this is one thing that slightly confused me. Ben is pissed that Jerry basically tipped off to the Icelandic 
uh, group of people that about one-eyed jacks and he didn't like that basically well he kind of like he, he kind of doesn't like it at first because one-eyed jacks is kind of like a hush hush operation and they don't want too many eyes on it but then ben is kind of like oh but if that's where they want to sign like whatever i can do to like grease the wheels on mm, this thing okay. then let's get it done let's yeah. do it i mean hebba, hebba. <laughs> hebba, hebba. finish your ice cream first ben and jerry and then get... <laughs> <laughs> finish your ice cream Ooh, I was actually in Vermont this weekend, and I had some ice cream. Ooh, what kind? Let me tell you. Uh, it was cookie dough. Ooh. Cookie dough. I haven't cream. had cookie dough ice cream in a long time. I used to have, what was it, my favorite uh, Ralph's Italian Ices back home where, you know, in Patchogue, um, the cookie dough mm-hmm. creams I I, I, ice I used to have. But I was like, ooh. Do you have a favorite flavor? Ooh, it probably is cookie dough. I wanted like I want to say something more like exciting and like interesting and neat, but I'm always just like no, like it's cookie dough. Like just an excuse to eat globs I mean, of cookie not? dough is all I need in life. It's a fair that's answer, Mike. That's a fair answer. Um, that's that's my gift <laughs> once a day is cookie dough ice cream. That was my gift over the weekend is cookie dough ice cream in Vermont, not from Ben and Jerry, though. especially not from this Ben and Jerry. <laughs> Now I'm craving ice cream. I mean, <laughs> we got to stay focused. Uh, well, no. Okay. So. <laughs> ice cream. If we I were know. in person, we would be walking we down would. the block to the nearest bodega and We'd take the cream. mic. We would be hitting pause. We'd be hitting pause on the microphone. We'd be going down the block, nah, getting ice cream. I would cream, take my laptop back. and my microphone with me just to have people be involved in our adventure <laughs> to go get ice cream. And then, like, watch us, like, talking to the guy at the counter at the bodega being like, you don't understand. Like, do you want to be on our podcast? Like, we just really want to have ice cream with us. <laughs> What are your thoughts on Ben and Jerry? Not the ice cream, the characters from Twin Peaks. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Hebba, hebba. Hebba. Anyway, um, so we have Audrey walk um, into Blackie's office, and this is this. Uh, she hands in a resume, not too impressive of a resume, because um, it's basically crippled up in seconds by Blackie, um, who doesn't buy her okay this is big amos is the name of her dog blackie's dog is big amos blackie and big amos big amos is the name of my it's a dog new show. what why <laughs> new show on thursdays at eight blackie, blackie and big, and big amos. amos i'd watch it listen that'd be a great spinoff i'd yeah. be there i'd be there <laughs> directed by david lynch i'm there Sign me up. But so the thing is that I did take from this scene is that Audrey or anyone that wants to apply to a job at One Eye Jacks, if you know, if if you think you're gonna lose the job, just take that cherry, take the stem, do your work on it, make sure you nod it, and present it like a gift, and you're you're in, you're in. She like reminded me of fourteen year old me who thought that she was so cool when she could tie a cherry like stem with her tongue but i'm pretty sure if i recall looking back i thought i was cool but i probably took 12 minutes trying to (laughs) so i would not get the job just saying that um Uh, yeah after like the first like six minutes she'd be like okay you're done get out (laughs) i'd be like damn it okay (laughs) 
me goes to the Olympics. Nancy Drew, get out of here. <laughs> it's like, imagine, like, turn on the Rocky theme tune montage of, like, trying to train myself to get a job at One Eye Jacks by tying the stems. And I have, like, a whole bunch of cherries on the side. And I'm like, literally, I'm full to having so much cherries. And there's just stems everywhere. And I'm sweating. And I'm like... There's just a time lapse of, like, the jar of cherries slowly disappearing. <laughs> yep. You do what you gotta do to get the job. Oh, um, Listen, if it were that easy to get a job, I would do it. I would do it. But yeah, so, you know, basically, Audrey, once again, evil twin Nancy Drew, knows how to flip and, like, slip through all the cracks to get where she needs to be. Um... And now towards the, fi- the final bit of the episode, Dr. Jacoby, watching our favorite show within a show, Invitation to Love, though not really giving us more. I'm a little annoyed because I still want to know what happens to Chet after he shoots Montana. But, <laughs> but our triple threat, James, Maddie, and Donna, which Donna does have the headgear this time. It's like She has, a, what was it, like a baseball cap. We should, I, I feel like it. Remember when we mentioned at the beginning of recording this podcast, we're like, "Oh, it's a drinking game of when this and this happens." The hat one would have been one of the drinking game parts. Anytime there's like a big fancy hat on screen, just take yep. a shot. Just take a shot. But basically, their plan to reel Doctor Kobe out of his apartment works with this. I'm kind of curious of how they managed to make a VHS tape and. I don't know, in a matter of less than 40 minutes or something when they have it in the envelope, given Jacoby's looking at it, and it's literally like that same night and Maddie disguised as Laura. I'm like, wait, where did they get a freaking VHS, like VHS tape made? I don't know. Anyway. They're pl- it's February. The nights are long, okay. you know? Sun goes down at like four o'clock. They got All a few right. hours. And... No surprise here, because everyone has a gun. Everybody owns a gun in Twin Peaks, and Jacoby, being suspicious, grabs his his gun and gets this tape, goes back inside, watches the video. Their plan's working. He leaves to go meet fake Laura at this gazebo, and this was a funny sort of, like, voyeurception moment, but basically, Bobby's snooping on fake laura slash maddie and then somebody's snooping on bobby snooping on fake laura slash maddie and i'm like wait and then i had a moment of being like and i'm the viewer so i'm (laughs) snooping (laughs) so you're snooping on them snooping on bobby snooping on laura slash maddie yeah it's like the inception of snooping it's like That just sounds like a really bad Inception parody with Snoop Dogg as the main character. Yeah, we won't go there. Um, But yeah, so Jacoby, he left his really nice looking umbrella. Well, maybe it's not really nice looking. His umbrella cocktail to go meet fake Laura. Everyone's watching everybody and um, everybody owns a gun. And yeah, I'm, a, I'm I'm getting a little nervous now. And when he leaves, like, and now, like, James and Donna are going to go into his house. Um, and somebody 
somebody's watching fake Laura. And Bobby plants... Okay, I had some theories here because I was not exactly looking at what he was planting in James's motorcycle, but Bobby basically plants some sort of... Either he was planting drugs in James's motorcycle, or I was like, wait. I'm like, no, Bobby's not smart enough to, like, plant some sort of, like... This is really dark, but some sort of, like, horrible chemical reaction that makes his motorcycle explode. I'm like, no, he wouldn't put, like, Donna at risk. I don't know. I was just like... My mind started boggling because I cannot wait till the end of the season because I want to know and my head is spinning. But it ends with obviously someone looking at fake Laura slash Maddie and it's not looking too good for her. I'm a little nervous now because we already have one one Laura murdered. We Are we about to have another similar looking Laura face murdered? I, I don't know. I'm a little I'm a little scared here. And that's the episode. Tensions are a bubbling. Oh yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So Janine, thoughts on the episode? What's what's going through your head? <sighs> this is the penultimate episode. Tensions are high. Uh, I'm just like impatient now. Like I really, really, I know that we've been dedicated as podcast hosts. That like. But you know, I don't know, and I'm very much wanting to know, and I'm nervous that I'm not even going to find out that much. They're going to give a cliffhanger, I, I would assume, at the end of the season, and I'm I'm nervous. But, like, it was this episode, though, it was penultimate. It was um, a lot happened in a short, you know, 46 minutes, and everyone's getting closer. I feel like it's all these different groups, like Cooper, Truman... Um, and mustache Ed, and then we have you know Donna, James, and Maddie, and Bobby Shelley. Like everyone's getting to this flipping middle ground that's about to get explosive, and I'm very much my head spinning because so much is going on at once, and it's making it very easy to distract from thinking who could be the ultimate guilty, pe- like you know, person and character in the show because there's just so much happening that it distracts you from making theories because you're just like trying to you know take everything as it is as it's happening so yeah great episode though yeah absolutely we had the the inciting incident and since then we've just Mm -hmm. zoomed out and zoomed out and zoomed out and now we get this whole idea of the you know the town of twin peaks and now it's all starting to come back together we're gonna see how it all plays back next episode Well, Janine, as always, let's peek behind the red curtains and go behind the scenes on this week's episode. So, this episode was written by Harley Payton, who uh, was also responsible for writing the episode Rest in Pain, which was the funeral episode, Laura Palmer's funeral. Nice, another great episode. So you can see Harley Payton absolutely harley payton seems to be really good at writing a lot of these sort of big tense moments and uh harley payton really emphasized how he loved writing for audrey specifically and found cooper difficult to write for and his reason for this was because of the peculiar way that coop talks as we've mentioned before david lynch's famous line he talks like me. True. So 
Harley Payton found it very difficult to write for Coop in that matter, but I would say that he did quite a successful job, especially in the opening scene where he finally established that there is no budding romance to come between our hero and a teenage high school girl. I think it was well done, though. I mean, he did have the heart on the sleeve moment. So, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it seemed like it was Coop's, like how how david lynch would talk (laughs) yeah exactly if you ever wanted to know what it sounds like for david lynch to dump you (laughs) there it is uh the episode was also directed by caleb deschanel caleb noted how the script was only 40 to 45 pages which is not a lot for a like an episode of this kind like usually for a series they have like 120 pages this was like a third of that that's insane so this really gave yeah so this really gave the the director an opportunity to sort of take this leisurely pace which you see which is one of the reasons why we love twin peaks it's that nice slow build that tension and that drama we get to see you know leo holding the gun and really following bobby as you know we sort of like dig our fingernails into our chairs it's really cool really really well 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 done and uh the oh so famous cherry stem scene which we will talk about more uh, a little bit later this is actually was inspired by a real life incident that that uh, harley payton experienced so he was out dining with friends and this was what when he was working on the script for twin peaks and one of his female friends demonstrated to the group that she could do this that she could tie a knot uh, with a che- you know using a cherry stem in her mouth or with her tongue and Peyton saw this and was just like this is so this is so Twin Peaks this is so Archery Horn this is going in the script wrote it in the next day and then yeah and then like you know this was a scene that blew up so the fact that he wrote this put it in the scene they filmed it and then like two weeks later all the newspapers are talking about it was unbelievable but he also noted that Cheryl and Fenn couldn't actually do the trick. So they simply just, you know, used the camera, swapped it out. <laughs> swapped and nodded to them to put it in. <laughs> right. However, oddly enough, Madchen uh, Amick, who plays Shelly, can actually do this Was trick. Was she the one on set that did <laughs> that, like, pass it? Yeah, that's what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they were just... Hey, hey, Madsen, come here for a second. We just can you just do? Wait, why don't you guys just tie with your hands? No, 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 no it's cooler if you do. Double for Audrey. <laughs> yes. uh, and also uh, in this episode, there's a lot of fun name play going on. As I mentioned before, Barney and Fred, as well as Esther mm-hmm. Pine from the Scarlet Letter. Uh, Audrey really banking on the fact that. Blackie never read sixth grade literature for some reason. <laughs> but there's also some other fun name plays here. Uh, the character, uh, Maddie Ferguson. This was named from uh, uh, two characters from Alfred Hitchcock's film Vertigo, which was Madeline Elster and also 
Mm-hmm. And also uh, James Stewart's Scotty Ferguson. Oh my goodness, and I just watched Vertigo this year. That's such a cool reference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of uh, intentional nameplay here. And also, our good old neurotic bureaucratic insurance salesman who uh, helped Catherine with her very detailed <laughs> paperwork, uh, Walter Neff. This was a reference to a 1944 film, Double Indemnity, which is about an insurance uh, an insurance fraud plot, which also involved an insurance salesman named Walter Neff. <laughs> so we got a lot of really cool references, some fun nameplay. I always love this. There's so many other nameplay references in Twin Peaks that we'll talk about throughout this podcast. And, of course, Big Amos. Big Amos. <laughs> Don't know what that's a reference to. Just a friggin' weird name for a dog. Oh, Big Amos. <laughs> but Janine? Janine. Janine. Secrets are a dangerous thing. And on today's legacy, we're going to be talking about a girl who has a lot of secrets. We're going to be doing our first ever character dive because we are going to be talking about the legacy of Audrey Lorne. Yes. yes, 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 yes. This is a great surprise. I love how you don't tell me what the legacy sometimes is. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. okay. I'm excited. <laughs> Did not know that. Let's do it. So I... I'm super excited to talk about this because when I was going through, so I kind of went through like before we decided, like before we started first really recording the podcast, I went episode by episode and I made sure like, okay, I know I could do a legacy for that. And, you know, we could talk about food here, music there. For this episode, I wasn't sure which way to go with it because I wasn't sure who I wanted the first character study to Mm -hmm. be. You know, I know we sort of talked about Laura, but we talked more about her death, not so much like her character in and of itself. We will Mm -hmm. get there. Uh, I thought about doing Cooper at first, but there's more that we're going to learn about Cooper, so I want to hold up. But it would be remiss if we discussed season one of Twin Peaks and didn't talk about the absolute sensation that Audrey Horn and and by proxy Sherilyn Fenn became following this season of television just following and especially in this episode where she does her famous cherry tie knot scene and episodes before this audrey's dance she became a phenomenon so i'm so happy that this is our first uh person to talk about Um, There is obviously much more that we're going to learn about Audrey, much more to talk about in future episodes. And so this probably won't be the first time we do a deep dive on Audrey, but you can't talk about the first season without talking about how she just blew up and how popular she I mean, what a charismatic, like, actress. I mean, she's playing a charismatic, you know, sort of dangerous or interesting complex character, but the way she plays... Audrey. I mean, she's a very charismatic actress for sure. Oh, I'm excited. Totally, totally. It's it's a charismatic actress with a script that just really gives such a colorful character. And when you're looking at Twin Peaks, you have this huge cast of characters. You have 
so many different names spread out in different places in Twin Peaks. And yet, for some reason, this young high school girl stands out. And there's a few reasons why. There's many reasons why. But I think some of the ones that that come up is, first and foremost, is just sex appeal. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, she's... She is a teenage girl. I she will wouldn't say be this. the first or last, uh, like, Cheryl- you know, yeah, young age, high school, sweet, you know, or daredevil or whatever that doesn't have sex. You know, of course, you have sex appeal. It's a gimmick. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a gimmick that, like, most horror movies are yeah. built on. Uh, Sherilyn Fenn was 25 when this was being filmed, so it wasn't completely, like, out of the... Like, it wasn't, like, super inappropriate but yeah she had huge sex appeal and this was something that really became uh just outstanding just 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 so many people were so drawn to that appeal she was in magazines people were like clamoring to like know more about her uh i I had actually originally thought about making this week's legacy the legacy of casting adults as teenagers (laughs) You know, going back to like, you know, we already mentioned Jimmy Stewart when talking about Vertigo, but yeah. you know, I always think about him life, it's yeah. a wonderful oh, life. Oh my goodness. You want the moon? <laughs> like in the first few seasons. He's... <laughs> oh, you, you want the moon? I know you do such a good. I'll throw a lasso, I'll pull it down. For anyone listening in, Mike Dow does <laughs> one of the best, if not the, in my opinion, the best Jimmy Stewart imp- uh, impression. You're gonna talk like Jimmy the whole time. Thank, thank you. I learned. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just do the rest of the podcast like, like, like this. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering what I was gonna break yeah. it. I was like, we've mentioned like Jimmy Stewart a few times on this podcast. I was wondering. Scratch Dale Cooper. Out. Jimmy Stewart would be your alias. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, George Bailey. Um, but going back to Audrey, so sex appeal was obviously a huge reason why she blew up. But more so than that, she was just so cool and stylish. We have talked so much about her style, from her outfits to her hair, to just the way she carries her herself, her, her makeup, everything, mm. her energy. Um, she has this sort of like coquettish 1950s, like, you know cool girl style to her that is just so you're so drawn to it every time she's on screen it's also a bit timeless like i could see so many people present day who clearly take inspiration to the sort of like aesthetic and style and persona that she gave out during her time absolutely absolutely it's that marilyn monroe quality that we have mentioned marilyn monroe meets madonna maybe that's correct yeah i would i would there's a lot of m's (laughs) but i would give it to her because that is that is really what we're dealing with here um and we know david lynch loves his tragic female blondes so marilyn marilyn monroe was a huge inspiration for not only laura palmer palmer but for audrey as well 
and then, of course, the other big reason why is because she has so many of these odd moments. And if there's one thing that makes Twin Peaks so special and important, it's those odd, bizarre moments that stick out. Audrey is like the queen of those moments. She has so many of them. The one that sticks out the most is, of course, that famous dance scene that she had a few episodes Yeah, what an back. interruption. Like, uh, no context. <laughs> Iconic. It's so, yeah. Iconic is exactly what it is. That is the perfect word for it. Um, so to talk a little bit just really about Sherilyn Fenn's early career and how she got to Twin Peaks... She was, so she dropped out of high school to pursue acting and she was kind of caught up in this string of being involved in a lot of sexploitation films. Really? She was in a lot of, yeah, so there was a lot of B-movies, a lot of movies where, you know, the filmmaker just wanted her to be naked the whole time. (laughs) And so what she had decided to do was she decided to take control of her career And um, in an interview, she said this, she said, I decided to be more myself and not be pushed into what other people wanted me to be. It's scary how little imagination many people in this business have. So really kind of tells you something about not only where Sherilyn Fenn walks into Twin Peaks and, and does this character, but also what she brought to this character. It wasn't going to be another sexploitation character Mm -hmm. this was going to be a character who yes is beautiful and sexy but she's also smart she's cunning she's intelligent she can carry her own and that's so cool and it was so important uh for 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 her knowing that backstory now i mean she definitely brings it to the character i mean and it's something that from the beginning when i first met this character i'm like oh yeah like she seems like a manipulative young teenager and then slowly she builds this beautiful progression of having so many layers underneath of how this person is and it's fascinating yeah as uh uh, james marshall who plays james on the show he said it best he said with sherilyn fenn twin peaks came on and effortlessly and effortlessly destroyed every other show's sexuality (laughs) what a statement yeah so you have this character who is so complex, so moving, so interesting. And, you know, again, going beyond just her sexuality, she's devious and she's playful and she's relatable. Uh, Fen went on to say that Audrey's been great for me. She has brought out a side of me that's more mischievous and fun that I had suppressed trying to be an adult. She has made it okay to use the power one has as a woman to be manipulative at times, and to be precocious. She goes after what she wants vehemently and takes it. I think that's really admirable. I love that about Damn, her. Damn, snap, snap, snap. Fire emoji, fire emoji, fire oh, emoji. <laughs> and, you know, when you look at characters now, right? So we talk about the legend, right? The, sort of what Twin Peaks, how it inspired there are TV shows and movies that still struggle with this. Oh, yeah. Of writing a female character that is sexy and interesting and smart while still having complexity and still having, you know, still having 
her own motivations and her own character drive. It's something that shows today still struggle with. And I'm not going to pretend like Twin Peaks doesn't have some problematic attitudes towards women on the show. But Audrey definitely stands out as definitely one of the strongest female characters on television at the time. And still to this day, one of the most interesting and complex characters uh, in a television series of all time. So. High really praise from point. Mike. I mean, I definitely agree with you on, on some points. I think it's, it, you could definitely see where the inspiration comes from, from the, her character and the time that it came out. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. And also, it's, we, we live in a world where so many flipping, you know, women characters were constantly written by men's perspectives. I mean, we've had the days of when there was the manic, which they still have it, the manic pixie dream girl and like all that sort of like thing and whatnot. But yeah, the flaws are, I, I, I have seen them here and there in Twin Peaks, but Audrey's definitely not one of them in how she is made. I think more so by how Cheryl approaches the character. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I should mention this uh, now, too. Sherilyn Fenn's success became so huge, so worldwide, that it actually did lead to some behind-the-scenes drama. Woo! Yeah. So in this episode, obviously, we see Coop call things off with Audrey, which many speculated was and to a certain extent this is true many speculated that this was because you know is it appropriate for an fbi agent to be having this relationship with a high school girl kyle mclaughlin said that he had mentioned it to david lynch at a certain point that's definitely part of it but the other part of it was According to Sherilyn Fenn herself, Lara Flynn Boyle, who plays Donna mm-hmm. on the show, and who was also dating Kyle McLaughlin what? at the time, while they were... I did not yep. know that. Oh, no, I yeah. get the spoiler. What? what? Mm-hmm. So they were dating wondering. at the time. They were dating yeah. while filming Twin Peaks. And apparently, Lara Flynn Boyle made kind of a fuss about Sherilyn Fenn and her success and the you know her on her on-screen chemistry with Kyle McLaughlin and so again this is according to Sherilyn Fenn she said that Boyle was jealous of Coop and Audrey's budding on-screen romance as well as the sort of pop culture status that Audrey had oh, Debbie about. Downer Donna no i mean life happens drama happens but wow i I, so now i know so can i ask you this audrey um sherilyn uh was definitely the most famous person to come out of the show it seems besides i mean well insofar as that she had some she had some success after the show um you know, I, I don't want to talk too much because, again, there's more, more show. There's more to be seen mm-hmm. of Audrey. Um, her really her biggest role after Twin Peaks, she was in the Gary Sinise film of Mice and Men based mm-hmm. on the book. Oh. Um, did you ever I see that the book. movie? I- 
Oh, so so you know in the book there's the um oh gosh, it's been so long since I've read the book. It's like the farmer's wife, I think. Oh, the one that spoilers the one who with the hair and the yeah. Hair. Well, yeah. Got it. Okay. So yeah, she yeah, she's yeah, that one yeah. main woman, yeah. That's who Sharon Whitman plays. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Spo- yeah. <laughs> spoilers for of mice and men in case you haven't in case you're like blackie and haven't read yeah. sixth grade we're gonna have that one fan be, or one person that listening being like how dare you i've never read of mice and men <laughs> i was i was halfway through it gosh darn it but so that is that that is that is the legacy that that audrey horn has become and we're gonna again we're gonna learn so much more about her and about Sherilyn ben and all the fun things to come but i'm so happy to share that with you she's one of my favorite characters of all time to talk about and dissect she's so interesting definitely she's definitely up there even in season one but now i'm getting a little bit more antsy and excited for what's to come like more with her character so here we go (laughs) i will say i know poker poker face mike turning up the poker game using ten thousand dollars to spend from the bureau to just hide all the secrets <laughs> and spoilers of Twin Peaks. <laughs> and now, and now I'm turning the spotlight on you, Janine, because you're, you're, we're bringing you downtown. We got questions for you, Janine. The same questions we always asked at the end of every episode. You'll never, you'll never get an answer from me. Oh, well, listen, listen, Nancy Drew, aka Janine. <laughs> it's a lot. I'll have to ask three more questions. And these are my three questions to unlock this door. Mm. Janine, what was your favorite scene in the episode? Mm. Favorite scene in the episode, I'd say... Probably um, when... I was going to say the the scene between Blackie and and Audrey and the Cherry Sam was was pretty cool. But also when Cooper's in a tux and Ed with his stash and Harry go to One-Eyed Jacks and it becomes like an Ocean's Eleven scene. Just And I think, yeah, I think actually <laughs> them going to One-Eyed Jacks was probably my favorite because it was interesting to see like different corridors and corners of One-Eyed Jacks. And like, I didn't realize how big the place was. I thought it was this like little hole in the wall kind of like shady place, but it's like a proper like secret cinema style come in and all these rooms and it's yeah a bit more upscale than i expected so that was interesting i'd say that was probably i guess my favorite scene least favorite scene obviously while they're getting shot yeah i was like let's not talk about it (laughs) let's not talk about it it's not okay uh janine who won the episode who came out on top who who performed the best who who did it all and more now, not just because it was the topic of your legacy this episode, but even that aside, Audrey Horn definitely came in, pulling all the stops, all the evil twin Nancy Drew tricks in the book, and yeah, she got, she won. Like, she's definitely proven time and time again how complex and how much she can tango within a room with what she's given and knows how to handle a situation so yeah um i think by the end of the soap by the end of this episode she won i mean cherry stem enough said (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Iconic moment. And Janine, as always, last but certainly not least, who killed Laura Palmer? Tisk, tisk, tisk. Um. Oh, boy. Okay. I do not want to say Leo. Because if it is Leo, I'm going to be pissed. Because he's the most, like, basic, idiot, horrible guy character in the book. I know you have to keep the poker face. Mike's just straight deadpan face. No expressions. Um, Who killed Laura Palmer? Oh, but like a part. (gasps) Jerry. Jerry. Yes, I just pulled that out of nowhere. Jerry. Like I said, gotta name a different character every time. Jerry. (laughs) Let's be honest. Jerry's probably the last character, but let's say Jerry. Yeah. I know, that's such a bad answer. We're going with Jerry. I love how some of my answers are so shit when it comes to who killed Laura Palmer, but I might surprise myself. At one point, I was right. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, this is what I, no expectations. It's David Lynch, so it literally could be anyone. (gasps) The possibilities are limitless. Even though, rest in peace, Waldo. Okay. Just putting that on record. We. Folks. (laughs) Secret, secret hero Leo Johnson (laughs) took out the one who killed Laura Farmer. Such a plot twist. Oh my god. What a plot twist. Mm. Well. Well. One episode left. One. Of the season. And then we do a whole (laughs) second season. One. And then a movie. And then a return series. But any final predictions? Any like, any final things that you think are going to happen in the next episode? Goodness gracious. Um. Well, I know it's not looking too hot for Maddie right now, so I'm a little nervous of who this person is that's watching Maddie, and I'm guessing, like, it could be, it could be Hank, it could be Leo, maybe-ish, it could be Nadine, like, who knows, like, ooh, that would be interesting, Nadine or someone like the Log Lady, people that, like, have been kind of, like, only showing up every once in a while, like, side characters, I feel like a side character could, I like, easily be, like, a huge plot twist at the end of the season, um, I don't know, honestly, there's, I, there's a huge Barbie that doesn't know what to think with this, what the end will, will tell, because there's just so much going on curious about Josie I'm curious about what's gonna happen to Maddie Shelly and Bobby all the characters there's so like I don't know Mike I'm stressed I'm stressed (laughs) well we shall have to wait and see damn it (laughs) in the meantime folks take Coop's advice go out buy yourself a gift get some Ben and Jerry's ice cream (laughs) Ben and Jerry's, please sponsor us. Ben and Jerry's. We've mentioned you so many times in this podcast. Sponsor us, please. And don't worry, we do not associate with those other two Ben and Jerry delinquents. Yes, (laughs) absolutely not. Absolutely not. But until next time, we'll be be practicing our our cherry tying steps. 
Yes. All right. Till next time, folks. See you later. Welcome to Twin Speaks is edited by Janine Purse and produced by Mike Dowd with music by RJ Mills. Follow us on Instagram at Welcome to Twin Speaks or you can email us at welcome to twinspeaks at gmail.com.